Live from Southern California, this is the Jim Rome Show. I want to start with something that UCLA head football coach Chip Kelly said last week. In fact, I thought it was pretty brilliant. I've heard Chip say a lot of smart things over the years, but I'm not sure that I've ever heard anything better or more true than the statement that he made on this program last week. Statement being, the best thing about football is football. The best part of football is football. Right. Very simple. Exactly. Thank you, Alvin. That is some straight fire right there. The best part about football is football. The best part of football is football. My man, well said. Extremely well said. I would add to that. The best part about the football season is that it's football season. What, I get no straight fire for that. Thank you, Alvin. Way to pick me up. Sorry I'm in the way, brother. Brother. What a weekend. Well, maybe not, as I mentioned, for everybody. Maybe not, say, for the hood man. Sorry, half fam. But I'll give Bill Belichick this much. He still managed to make it incredibly entertaining, even though he and his team fell to 0-2 for the first time since 2001. That's right. The last time the Pats were 0-2 was right before Bacon 46, who at that time was actually Bacon 24, right before he took over for Drew Bledsoe. Incredibly, they have not been 0-2 since, not until now. But as underwhelming as this Pats team was in most ways last night, you got to give it to the hood. You got to give this guy some credit for true innovation. This guy straight up changed the game last night forever. Right when you think there are no new ideas, I've got to give it to this guy. For all of the mumblers' accomplishments, bringing a man in motion off the edge to block a field goal might be the best and most innovative thing he's ever done, and it's not even cheating. 49-yard attempt for Sanders now. Four for four so far on the year. Bailey the punter will hold. Blake Ferguson will snap. Here comes the snap. Ball down. Kick on the way. It's blocked by the Patriots. It's scooped up by New England. Blocked! Down in Miami territory. It was Duggar that picked it up. The kick was blocked. The Patriots ran a player on the field late. That was unbelievable. Brendan Schooler, the special team's ace. I don't know if I've ever seen that before. He came running from the sideline, and it looked like Christian Wilkins, the wingback, didn't expect him or didn't know he was coming. I have never seen that before. I mean, it's so simple, yet it's so genius, yet how did nobody ever think of this before? Brendan Schooler was traveling 12.70 miles per hour when the ball was snapped, and then 13.19 miles per hour when the kick was blocked. That according to Next Gen Stats. So again, how did nobody ever think that a guy sprinting toward the line of scrimmage would have a way easier time of blocking a field goal attempt than a dude firing out of a three-point stance? It's kind of like the tush-push. You know, the genius is how obvious it is. Somehow we never thought about just having a running back grab one butt cheek and then the fullback grab the other butt cheek 
and then push the quarterback as hard as they can for a first down. It's like somehow it never occurred to anybody to get somebody a running start on a field goal block. But that wasn't all the hood man did to innovate last night. He also broke all new ground in the area of throwing his challenge flag. Or should I really say in the area of throwing his challenge flag like an eight-year-old having a temper tantrum. He's dropping. He's getting worse from upstairs. more. He's hearing it from upstairs. Could you see it? (laughs) That's beautiful. (laughs) Shaq would have been proud of that, dog. I mean, I get Hoodman's frustration. He's got the worst team in the division. He was getting all crossed up by the anti-Hoodman on the other sideline. Obviously, it was a way better night for Mike McDaniel and the Dolphins. So I understand the Hoodman's frustration. And he is 0-2 for the first time since 2001. And Mike McDaniel did have a much better night. Just don't try to pull a Melissa Stark and try to give him any credit whatsoever. You have been able to move the ball on this Bill Belichick defense. What is working so well offensively? Um, I haven't done anything. Just deadpan. This guy. Nobody like him, and right now there's no other team that plays like his team. I'm not saying they're the ones. I'm not saying they're the best team. I'm just saying that there's no team like his team. And good luck finding another quarterback who's 5-0 and against the hood. If that's not the craziest stat ever, Tua owns Hoodman. Don't even bother looking because you're not going to find one. There's nobody else who's got that record. Tua is the only quarterback in the NFL who has started at least four games against Belichick and never lost. I mean, how's that for a stat? Think about that. If I were to say to you, name me all the quarterbacks that have played at least four games against Bill Belichick starting that are undefeated, who would you say? Probably not that guy, but he's the guy, 5-0. and So it's no surprise that Miami won again last night, and it's no surprise that they're 2-0. and And frankly, it's no surprise either that the Pats are 0-2. Once again, sorry, half fam. But although these things aren't surprising, there are some major surprises around the league. Like, I'm not even sure which, quote, surprise... 2-0 team is the biggest, quote, surprise. surprise, surprise and the reason I keep saying, quote, surprise, is because I'm not nearly as surprised as everybody else is. For instance, you all know this is an Arthur Smith house. And you all know this is a Ron Rivera house. And you all know how I feel about Baker Mayfield. All I have to say about these dudes is there they're a combined 6 and 0 oh. art ron bake 6 and 0 oh. you know what i have to say about that love to see love it. to see it love, love to, see, to it. see it you know what else i have to say about that everybody saw that coming right let's break it down how about the falcons how about arthur smith's epic stash there's that that's worth a lot more than 2 and 0 oh, if you ask me How about that epic stash? How about Art having absolute, absolute no fear? Absolutely no fear. I mean, you want to talk about a flat line. Does this guy's pulse even bounce? Ice water. Ice. It's the Tourette's, man. It's the jungle Tourette's. Ice 
in his veins. I'm talking about him going for first down and the win late rather than settling for a field goal that would have given them the lead. But giving the ball back to the Packers, he wasn't having any of that, was he? They run the play and pick up the first down. Robinson, gutsy call from Arthur Smith, and it pays off. Just looking to call them offsides, right? Just going to catch him in a hard count, right? Nope. That whiny little buzzer, Alvin, does not begin to do it justice. Thank you. Thank you so little. Huge call. Huge win. And don't even try to tell me that getting the ball to Bijan Robinson is a bad idea. I'll tell you what's a bad idea. A bad idea is not getting him the ball even more. This dude's absolutely cooking so far. He's just barely scratching the surface. He already looks like one of the better running backs in the NFL already. The ATL is exciting. Yeah, I said it. I'll say it again. The ATL is exciting. And so are the 2-0 commanders. Yes, I said that too. An impressive comeback win in Denver yesterday. Damn, Bronco fan. How much did that hurt? How much did that suck? Really impressive comeback win in Denver. But a really ridiculously poor Hail Mary defense in the end. Guys, guys, obviously, the idea of a Hail Mary is just to knock the ball down, period. Knock it the hell down. That's it. It's very simple. What you absolutely do not want to do is exactly what Washington did. In other words, tip the ball up in the air and backwards into the end zone. Oops! Wilson looking for a miracle. Going to gather. Unleashes towards the end zone. It Uh is deflected in the air. And it's caught. Brandon Johnson! Clones, what do you want when you're craving protein or you need more energy? Not bars, not sugary snacks, not energy drinks. You want beef, pure and simple. Where's the beef? It's in a package of Old Trapper Beef Jerky. Old Trapper is not your old man's jerky. Shriveled, dry, tasteless. Old Trapper Beef Jerky is made from lean strips of steak and quality spices that are smoked over a real wood fire. It's tender, it's tasty, it's not tough. And why is it so good? Because Old Trapper is a 50-year-old family business known for its relentless commitment to quality. They take smoked beef extremely seriously, and you can taste it in every single bite. Old Trapper is packed with protein. It comes in four amazing flavors to satisfy all your cravings. Quality smoked meat at its finest. It goes with you wherever you go, to the game, to the gym, to the beach. So look for Old Trapper in the Clearview bag. You can see the quality you're buying. Look for it in major retail stores near you. Clones, if you do not see it, ask for it by name because no other jerky compares. Old Trapper, what's your beef? Potential nightmare. I mean, that was the epitome of, uh uh-oh, why is that ball still in the air? Why are you not throwing it down, big man? I mean, push that ball through the bottom of the earth. The last thing you want that thing doing is bouncing around up in the air, which is what happened. So credit, I guess, to Russett for getting it there and giving his team a chance and nailing a Hail Mary, I guess, but... He and they still lost, so no credit for that. 
Credit to Eric Bieniemy for making the commander's offense exciting again. What a nice win for them. So we had some nice surprises yesterday, but there was one thing that was absolutely not surprising at all, and that's the way the Jets-Cowboys went. Or really, what I should say is the way the Coug Hunter went. Now, throwing that guy to the Wolves is not the easiest or best idea, right? Running that guy out there to deal with Dallas? But here's the thing. In his defense, the Coug Hunter actually did look a little better. However, that's not saying very much because he still looked horrible. The Cowboys, on the other hand, looked amazing. The Cowboys looked like the best team in the NFL after two games. Yes, I said that. They look great. It's early, but they look great. Now, all of that said, and this is what I mean by the whip around. I'm covering a lot of ground. Moving from one thing to the next. As great as Dallas looked, nobody in the league is off as quickly as Geno Smith, at least when it comes to all-time sound bites. Geno is leading the league through the first two weeks, and by the way, it's not even close. First, there was him blurting out in week one, oh my God, with Aaron Donald bearing down on him. On third down, Smith, pressure comes late, and it's incomplete. That pressure so underrated, so unappreciated. Underappreciated anyway. One of my favorite moments. That's a quarterback in real time, in live action, blurting out, oh my God, and 99 bearing down on him. I mean, I'm sure that every quarterback ever that's ever faced 99 thinks that. But Gino is the only one they've ever caught on mic. A hot mic saying it. Oh my God. So, yesterday, it wasn't exactly Gino. That was week one. Yesterday, it was not Gino himself. But it was the ref absolutely owning and shutting Gino down. Here is the referee, Alex Kemp, verbally destroying Gino Smith with America watching. Attentional grounding, offense number seven. It's a 10 yard penalty. I'm talking to America here, excuse me. It's a 10 yard penalty and a loss of down. Second down. That is the best line I've ever heard, Adam Official. We'll get to the penalty in a minute. He just told Gino Smith, I'm talking to America. Pete Carroll is livid. Well, he wasn't pressured. It's, it shouldn't be grounding, right? Yeah, and it was really, it was clearly, it was not a throw to get the ball out of his hand. It was clearly miscommunication between Tyler Lockett. Listen, the whole thing would look and play a whole lot better for Alex Kemp if it wasn't one of the worst intentional grounding calls in the history of the Shield. I thought the gum murderer was going to toss his double mint or bubble yum, or whatever he rocks, right at the hubba bubba. The gum murderer was like, hey, 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 side judge, how about I put this hubba bubba upside your head? The ref was all, I'm talking to America here. Excuse me. I'm talking to America here. Excuse me. I'm announcing a terrible call to America here, Gino. Excuse me. Hey, Gino, get off me. Get away from me. I need to show extreme incompetence to all of America. I'm talking to America here. Excuse me. <laughs> I'm about to make a terrible call to all of America. Get the hell out of here. Of course, the controversy in that game did not end there because Lions fan is convinced that Aiden Hutchinson was held on the game-winning TD pass in overtime. 
Aiden Hutchinson sounded pretty well convinced that Aiden Hutchinson was held on that play also, except he didn't really want to get into it after the game was over. Yeah, I probably won't speak on that because they're going to go find my ass. So, um, yeah, it is what it is, man. They didn't call it. Well, he is right across the board. They would find his ass. It is what it is. And no, they did not call it. Find my ass. Just another tough break for the Lions. But maybe the toughest break of all went to Jared Goff. It's an incredible stat. Remember how Jared Goff was left for dead? Rams just gave up on him. Just kind of threw him in that trade. This guy went 383 passes between INTs and was closing in on the all-time NFL record for consecutive passes without an interception. If I had said to you a couple years back, hey, you know who's going to break that record? Jared Goff. What would you have said? Yet he was closing (laughs) in on it. And then, of course, not only did he throw a pick, it was that back-breaking fourth-quarter pick six. It was amazing that Detroit even was able to push that game into OT. Bleep happens. And yes, it is what it is. They'll be fine. Lions fan, I know you're taking this very badly. I know you're skittish. I know you're scarred. I know that you're always expecting the sky to fall and you're expecting the worst. I know you've already had enough heartbreak to last an entire lifetime. I get it. It still says here, you're going to be fine. It is what it is, man. You're going to be okay. It is what it is, man. It's all right. It's all right. However, I'm not sure... And I didn't think I would say this. I did not think I would start my Monday by making this statement. I'm not sure that everything is going to be just fine for the 0-2 Chargers. Just as I'm not sure that everything is going to be fine for the 0-2 Bengals. Even though they were quick to point out, what? What? This is exactly where we were last year. What's different? Well, there is one thing, one small thing. Joe Burrow re-aggravated his calf. There is that thing. So, listen, if that keeps him off the field for any period of time, that's a real problem. Even if it doesn't keep him off the field, but it keeps him from being who and what he is, that's a problem. So, when I'm saying Lions fan, back to you for a minute, it could be a lot worse. It could be. Think about it this way. It could be like that, or your season could ride on one Zach Wilson. So, it could be a lot worse. Like Chip said, the best thing about football is football. The best part of football is football. And what he could have added is, the best thing about not having Zach Wilson on your team is not having Zach Wilson on your team. The best part of football is football. I got even one more note for you. So not a good Sunday for a lot of people, but I got to tell you, no one had to eat a worse crap sandwich than my dude, Takeo Spikes. It is what it is, man. If you're asking how a retired NFL great can have a worse Sunday than even Zach Wilson, you clearly did not see how the Buffalo Bills did one of their own. What is with the Bills? Why is there so much drama? Why can the Bills not get out of their own way suddenly? Why is it always something? Did you see this? They invite my guy to fire up the crowd at the home opener. Which Takeo did. He shows up the way he always does. So Takeo 
doing what he does, looking like a million bucks, all intensity, all energy, just like he always is. On the field, with a mic, firing up the Bills Mafia, doing what they brought him in to do. So, how do they repay this guy? Easy. By letting him sit in the very worst seat in the house. If you're not by a TV, Tequil tweeted a pic of his view of the game. He can barely see half the field. If you're watching on CBS Sports Network, look how they did this guy. They bring him in. He does his job. And look where they sit him. How do you do your guy like that, Buffalo? Jordan Love's parents think that you did him all wrong. Hey, thanks for the great view of the stadium speakers, Buffalo. That's not an obstructive view. That's no view whatsoever. I mean, why not just put this guy in a chair in front of the urinals and have him sit there for four quarters? This guy would have had a better view of the field if he was blindfolded. And, and how bad are the optics that he tweeted he had to leave before the game was over because he had such a bad seat? Why not rip the mic out of his hand right after he fires up the faithful and make him buy his own ticket? Like, how is this dude not up in the ownership box? Or how is this dude not on the 50? How is this dude not somewhere without having a totally obstructed view? I don't know. Why didn't one of the uh, executives come by and go, hey, dude, dude, it's not, no, look, you're fine. You're fine. Just lie down on the floor and smash your face up against the window, and then you'll see 75% of the field. Dude, don't be like that. Why you got to be so entitled? I mean, what? You want a red carpet? What else, go- what else can we do for you, T? Man, that was weird. Really weird. The guy had to leave before the game was over because he couldn't see the game? After he was brought in to fire up the crowd? Weird. Let me talk to you for a moment about one of my favorite products ever, HelloFresh. What is HelloFresh? What it is is farm fresh pre-portioned ingredients and seasonal recipes delivered right to your doorstep. You can skip trips to the grocery store. You can count on HelloFresh to make home cooking easy, fun, and affordable, and that's why it's America's number one meal kit. Kickstart a fresh fall routine with HelloFresh. HelloFresh handles all the meal planning and shopping to deliver everything you need to cook up a tasty meal right at home. They do the hard part, and you get to take credit. And when it comes to options, honestly, more is more. That's why HelloFresh's menu includes 40 recipes and over 100 add-on items to choose from every single week. I love it. Comes right to the doorstep, all these tremendous ideas and great meals. Find out for yourself. Go to HelloFresh.com slash 50roam. Use the code 50roam for 50% off plus 15% off the next two months. Once again, HelloFresh.com slash 50roam. Make sure to use the code 50roam and get 50% off plus 15% off the next two months. HelloFresh.com slash 50roam. He is Antoine Bethay. Antoine, actually via Zoom no less. What's cracking, my dude? How you doing? 
Man, slow motion, man. I'm, I'm doing well, man. How about yourself? Same, man. Slow motion. I like that. Doing really well. All right, let's jump right into it. It got a little dicey in the end, but I want to ask you about Miami holding on to finish off New England. So they go to 2-0. and Tua is 5-0 and against Bill Belichick. If Tua can stay healthy, and I know that's big if, if he can, are the Dolphins a legitimate Super Bowl threat in your mind? No, for sure, man. Like you said, like even even last year before Tua um, got hurt, man, uh, Miami Dolphins, they were playing some really good football. And um, this year, you know, the first two weeks, you see, you know, Tyreek Hill, um, Jalen Waddle, uh, the run game is intact. So they've been doing some good things. You know, obviously on the defensive side of the ball, um, the defense, you know, the missing Jalen Ramsey, obviously Vic Fangio. You know, I'm a big fan, a huge fan of Vic Fangio. So I know that defense – it's going to get clicking as the season progresses, but Miami Dolphins, man, they look really well, really, really good. Yeah, no, I love Fangio. I love his defense. I love him personally. Hey, I mean, he, by the way, he's a nice QB, right? Two is a nice QB, but how do you explain that guy being 5-0 and against Belichick? Man, I mean, that's tough, but it, it says a lot, though. You know, um, obviously divisional games, and if you know anything about, you know, the Patriots and Bill Belichick, he's going to make you – um you know, offensively beat beat them left-handed. But, you know, just with the, the talent that uh Tua has around him, man, it's just it's just tough. In the past couple of years for the New England Patriots, it hasn't been the best. But um, but that's just, you know, you gotta salute the tour, uh salute the coach McDaniel. And then also, like I said, the talent that he has around him, man, like he can sit back there and he can just pick you apart. No, I agree with you. Credit to him, credit to his coach, credit to the guys they have around him. Antoine Bethea joining us. What about the Cowboys? That defense dominated for the second straight game. They've allowed only 10 points on the season. The Jets had no answers for Micah Parsons, who had a pair of sacks along with a forced fumble and recovery. Right now, is Micah the most disruptive player in the league? Uh, without a doubt, <laughs> without a doubt, you know, you can line him up anywhere on that front, man. And he's going he's going to create mismatches for you. And you, you, you're you going to have to have, you know, two offensive linemen um, just knowing where he's at at all times, man. And what he's been able to do, you know, uh, his first two years in the league, you know, all pro, pro bowl. And then he's just starting this season off the right way. Um, right now, he's he is he is that guy. And, you know, you think about. You know, in the past, the other guys on the defensive line, like a um, J.J. Watt, you know, when he was with the Texans, you know, he was just a, dis a disruptive player on the front line. You talk about Aaron Donald. That's what he's been his entire career. And Michael Parsons, man, he's just right up there with those guys, man. So uh, if, if this defense can keep playing how they've been playing these first two weeks, um, average only giving up five points a game. And then, you know, the offensive side of the ball, if that can just control the ball, um, don't turn the ball over and continue to progress, um, you know, with Mike McCarthy uh, call, calling the plays, man. You know, Dallas Dallas might be there at the end of the year. But, you know, they got, they got to continue to, to keep playing how they've been playing so far. You know, you answered my next question, A.B. I was going to say it's early. It's early, but they look great. I was going to say to you, at this juncture, are they not the best team in the NFL right now? I don't know. So it's funny. We was uh we were talking about this earlier. I will put I would probably put San Fran as my as my number one. Um, I would probably put San Fran as my number one right now, but I definitely would have Dallas up there, maybe, maybe, maybe two. 
I think I could argue either one of those either way. You're right. They're both very, very good top to bottom. They're both dominant teams. Let me ask you this. What about the Chargers? Like the last three times that they have taken the field, they have one imploded against the Jags in the postseason. And then two and three, they have blown fourth quarter leads to Miami and Tennessee the last two weeks. I mean, dude, they've got so much talent. Don't they have way too much talent for this to keep happening? But it keeps happening. So exactly what is happening? How do you explain this? Man, um, and you know, I'm not I don't like to point the finger, but again, you said it like we talked about last year. Like you you first you want to get everybody healthy. You know, at one point Durbin James uh he wasn't healthy. You need you get JC Jackson from New England Patriots, he wasn't healthy. Um, so again, you know, you, you want all your all your guys, and you have all your guys this year. And you know, Herbert got got broke off this offseason, deservingly, uh, deservingly so. But it's it's no excuse for, I would say, the, the Chargers sitting at 0-2 right now. And the only thing you can do, and respectfully, is just look at the look at the coach, look at the leadership. You know, you got to be able to have your guys ready to play um, and, and, and no excuse for them being 0-2 with all the talent that they have, especially at quarterback. And then you look on the defensive side of the ball, um, obviously, Austin Eckler, he didn't play uh, yesterday, but no excuses for being 0-2. You got to you gotta look at the head coach and, and, and ask questions because at the at the beginning of the season, I'm pretty sure everybody in their meet room is – they talk about accountability as players. You know, if you don't come and play, you know, it's, it's you, you got to be held accountable, and that's got to be the same thing for the head coach. Like, you know, it's got to be some decision-making, whether it's throughout the game or having your games or having the guys ready to play. But you got to look at the coach. I think it's fair. I think it's fair. Antoine Bethea joining us. So what about the Bengals? They're 0-2. They'll be quick to remind you, hey, listen, man, we were 0-2 last year, and we lost a couple of division games, and how did that work out? We got to the championship game. Do you buy that, or is it different when you see Joe Burrow limp off the field after aggravating his calf injury once again? Is it a different situation because of that? Excuse me. I think it's a different situation. <clears throat> you talk about the calf injury, and you always talk about like those those type of injuries are are tricky because it's not a broken a broken bone. It's a soft tissue injury, and you just don't know <clears throat> as a player like when am I going to be one hundred percent healthy? Obviously, he's not the 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 mobile quarterback, but he does use his legs to get away and. Uh, prolong the play so to see him limp off <clears throat> at the end of the game it, it is a bit concerning you know you talk about on the defensive side of the ball Jesse Bates leaving he's in Atlanta you know week one he had a, a phenomenal game so and then you just think about Joe Burrow in, in, in week one against the Cleveland Browns he 82 yards so when you look at it <clears throat> it is a bit concerning you know he played better yes yesterday but you know that's two divisional losses in the first two weeks, that's not that's not how you want to start the um, start the season. And that conference is all that division is already a tough uh, division to play in anyway. So, again, not going not going, you know, push the panic button. But you definitely want to see, you know, how how Joe Burrow, how he's feeling, you know, come Wednesday or Thursday. Is he going to play in the game? But again, you have to know that that calf injury is going to linger throughout the season. And how is it going to affect his play? All right, so, A.B., I know you're, you're playing through something, right? For instance, did you and Darius not already do an hour-and-a-half-long podcast this morning? 
Yeah, we did. We did. We, yeah. did. We, we, we talked about it all. I love it. I love it, man. <laughs> that you get after it. I love that. That's content. you got to push the content. You mentioned the Steelers or the Browns, actually. What about that matchup tonight? We have a double a double header from Monday Night Football. It seemed like Pittsburgh came out of camp and into the season really hyped, really hyped, and probably overhyped. The one thing we know about this rivalry, they hate each other. The other thing we know, the fans hate each other even more. How do you see this one playing out tonight? Who you got? It's going to be a tough one. Uh, again, regardless of what their records are, you know, it's going to be a dog fight. Um, but I'm, I think I'm going to take Cleveland on the road uh, tonight. You know, Deshaun Watson, you know, um, coming off his, you know, his first game last week, uh, the defense played extremely well uh, last week against Joe Borey and that Cincinnati uh, Bengals offense. But you, we know – the Pittsburgh Steelers are going. They going. They are going to bounce back after Week One. Mike Tomlin led team. You already know how that's going. How they going to come out? But uh, I'm, I'm going to take Cleveland tonight. I think that's a good pick. I don't want to give it up because I'm going to talk about it next hour. But I see you working there. I like that pick. In fact, I will give it up. I've got the same pick. I'm going to take them as well on the road. I'll lay the points. Maybe really quickly before you go, you posted something on Twitter I thought was great. You were talking about working on your craft, working on your craft. What's the craft that you're working on right now? What are some of the other things you're doing and developing? Man, I'm in the booth, man. I know. I'm it. in the booth. It's a new, uh, yeah, it's a new network, HBCU Go. And, um, you know, they're, they're, we, we were televising all the HBCU games. You know, um, I, I'm calling the CIAA and the uh, SIAC conferences. They also uh, cover the SWAC. So, again, man, I'm in the booth, man. It's something that's different. It's new, but uh, it, it's exciting. You know, something that I can work on, something that keeps my mind fresh, keep my mind going. So, to uh, you know, all the viewers, if you want to tap into some HBCU football, man, um, you can you can download HBCU Go TV. Uh, they have an app, but then if you have a uh, Roku as well, um, Apple as well. So, um, so yeah, man, that's my that's my that's my new gig I like for the I like it. Good for you, dude. Well done, Antoine Bethea, my guest. AB, I appreciate you. Great job as always. Thanks so much. We'll do it again soon. I appreciate you, man. We are back with another week of football, and DraftKings Sportsbook is keeping us in on all the NFL action with great offers every single game day. New customers can bet five bucks and get $150 instantly in bonus bets. Throw five down on any of this week's epic matchups to walk away an instant winner. And DraftKings is not stopping there. All customers can take advantage of two new offers every game day this September. Football is so much more fun when you're in on the action. So download the app right now. Sign up with the code ROME, R-O-M-E. New customers can bet just 5 bucks and get 150 instantly in bonus bets. Only on DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL with the code ROME, R-O-M-E. The crown is yours. You do have to be present in a state where it's lawful to wager. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net in New York. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort, KS, licensee partner, Gold Nugget, Lake Charles, LA, 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction, void in Ontario, see sportsbook.draftkings.com slash football terms for eligibility terms and responsible gaming resources. Bonus bets expire seven days after issuance. Eligibility and deposit restrictions do apply. Wild weekend. 
And why don't we start where we keep inevitably starting when we talk college football? The center of the college football universe, Boulder, Colorado. Listen, say what you want about Dion and the Buffs because I sure as hell can't stop you. And I'm not even trying to stop you. Everybody has an opinion. I get that. I respect that. I actually love that. That's what makes this team and this program and this story so great right now. And save your, yeah, Rome, let's see what happens when they deal with Oregon. Yeah, I know. I'm I'm well aware of their schedule. I'm well aware of the conference they play in. Say what you want. Talk your crap if you have to. But don't tell me that any of this is bad for college football. Because it's not. Don't try to tell me that Colorado v. Colorado State being thrilling and electric and kept people up until nearly 2 a.m. Eastern time is a bad thing for college football. Or really, a bad thing for anybody. Yeah, I know. I know. People can and will complain about anything and everything. And the buffs are proof of that. Because I just can't understand whining and complaining about this total gift to the sport. And no, I'm not on the bandwagon. And no, it's not because my kid goes to college there. I'm looking at this totally objectively. They're an amazing story. And no, Colorado did not give the Rams the beating that many thought was coming. Or the beating that the point spread suggested was coming. And you know what? That's a great thing, too, because we ended up getting an instant classic instead. We ended up with some peak college football instead. So much to like about that matchup, even if it went nothing like we thought. Shiloh Sanders ripping that 80-yard pick six. Shadur leading that last-minute 98-yard drive and then nailing the two-point conversion to tie it. And I'm not going to lie to you. There were parts of that game late where I thought to myself, Jay Norvell is going to be a freaking legend. A legend. After all of that, to go in there and have his guys ready as three touchdown dogs, my man is going to be a freaking legend. But they didn't finish. You got to love Colorado sealing that deal in double OT. You got to love Dion after the game, too. You have to love Dion after the game, admitting he was thinking what we all know he was thinking during that game, and especially when they trailed 11 late. I'm happy with the win. You got to be happy with a W no matter how it comes. Um, Truthfully, it's one point in the game I said, we can't let this dude win. Ain't no way we let this dude win. (laughs) You know, his press conference is going to be unbearable if we let this dude win. Now, Dion, I'm sure a lot of people say the same thing about you. We can't let this dude win. His press conference is going to be unbearable if this guy wins another game. But in reality, his press conference is awesome because of what he just said. How many other coaches are thinking that and telling their team that And then how many are looking for the closest camera and microphone in order to say it out loud? Like he said the silent part out loud. He just said it point blank. No way we let this dude win. No way we let this dude win. His press conference will be unbearable. Now he did give give him some praise. Because the fact of the matter is, Jay Norvell deserved praise 
Granted, the Raiders cannot believe how many penalties they committed. Granted, they were not the most disciplined team, but man, they came to play. They came to play, and they showed out. No, the hat and sunglasses smack was not the best idea. Even if the hat was directed at his team and not the opposing coach, whatever. It doesn't matter what you directed that to or what you wanted it to be. You played right into Prime's hands with that one. And it felt like all of Boulder showed up rocking their sunglasses at night. But here's the thing about Jay Norvell. He had his squad ready to go. They made a lot of dumb mistakes, but he had them ready to go. Had a solid plan. And when they had that 11-point lead in the fourth quarter, it looked like they had that game. I mean, I thought they were going to win that game. They should have won that game. But at least they showed up. At least they were up for it. At least they were up for a brawl. At least they showed up the way you're supposed to show up for a rivalry game despite being a three-touchdown dog. I thought it was awesome. And then Dion, I mean, this party continues. My dude shows up on 60 Minutes last night. Two years in a row, 60 Minutes has profiled Dion Sanders. They don't do that. They do not do that, but they did that for him. And, you know, I'd say they came at him on that piece. They tried to grill him a bit on 60 Minutes last night. And, of course, Dion rolled with all of it. And even managed to call himself the best coach in college football in the process. Who's the best coach in college football today? Let me see. Let me see a mirror so I can look at it. <laughs> you feel that? What? You think I'm going to sit up here and tell you somebody else? You think, you think that's the way I operate? That somebody else got that on me? Respect. Who is the best coach in college football? Well, why don't you get me a mirror? And then you'll see him. We'll both see him. You know, it's funny. You watch Dion during the game. And every time they cut him on the sideline, he's rarely saying anything. Have you noticed that? He really is not that demonstrative during the game. He lets his guys do their thing. He's got an unbelievable staff. And he's got a lot of talent. But give it to my man. Whenever there's a camera or a mic and he's not wearing a headset, man, let him go. He's right. What did you expect him to say? Are you going to come down on this guy for saying that? Of course he said me. It'd be the most anti-brand thing ever for him all of a sudden to be humble and say, hey, man, I'm not even in the top 150. He said, get me a mirror. Let me see a mirror. I, I respect it. And, I'm not, and this is not coming from a guy who has been pro-prime all these years. But I'm pro everything I've seen so far. And then also, by the way, he did immediately shout out Nick Saban right after that. Of course, Dion's going to say Dion is the best coach. We're talking about Dion. It's not like Dion is some kind of changed man. It's not like he's not who he's always been. This dude has been this same dude for over three decades. And I think some of you are just angry at Dion for being Dion. But this is who he's always been. This is what he's always done. Right now, Dion is being Dion, and that's exactly what is working for Colorado. So how are you going to come down on that guy for that? This is who he's always been, and this is an awesome thing 
for the school, for the program, hell, for college football. I'm going to argue it's as big a story as there is in sports still. Now, if Oregon punches them in the face and they get that wake-up call, it's still a really good story. However, if somehow he were to shock the world and beat Oregon, (laughs) you want to talk about a press conference that some of you would think is going to be insufferable. Look the hell out. But it's going to get tough. Now you've got Oregon. Now you've got USC. Now you're into the conference. And let's not forget, going into this week, that conference had eight teams in the top 25. But that takes nothing away from what they've already done. They beat a team that was in the national championship game. They beat their rival, Nebraska. And they were able to grind out a tough rival game without their best player. Still an amazing story. U.S. Cellular knows how important your kid's relationship with technology is, and they have made it their mission to help them establish good digital habits early on. That's why they have partnered with Screen Sanity, a nonprofit dedicated to helping kids navigate the digital landscape. And for a smarter start to the school year, U.S. Cellular is also offering a free basic phone on new eligible lines, providing an alternative to a smartphone for kids. Start smarter with U.S. Cellular. Visit uscellular.com slash built for us to find out more. Restrictions do apply. Visit uscellular.com for terms. We are joined right now by Mac Brown via Zoom. Mac, it's always great to have you on the show. How you doing, Mac? I'm doing great, Jim. And at, at 72, you were so right about every morning I wake up and put my feet on the ground. I'm pumped. Because I got another day. I love that. I know that about you, Mac. Part of the reason I feel this way is because of the conversations you and I have had over the years. So I know you understand that. The team moved up three spots to number 17 in this week's AP poll. You got Pittsburgh on Saturday. The offense, Mac, this past weekend was really dialed in. Over 500 total yards against the Gophers. What else stood out to you about Saturday? And how pleased are you with your team's level of play thus far? Jim, I'm really pleased with with two areas from from our past. We're much better in the red zone with touchdowns. We had three times in the red zone with the ball and three touchdowns um, and and kept them from – they were one out of two in the red zone. So both sides of the ball, offense and defense, are doing better in red zone, stopping for touchdowns and and scoring touchdowns. Secondly, we – even last week, we didn't do a good job getting off the field against App State uh, Saturday, we were four. They were four out of twelve on third downs, and Minnesota, uh, coached by PJ Fleck, who's done a tremendous job there. They were fifth in the country in third down defense last year, and we were twelve out of seventeen. So staying on the field on third down, getting off the field on third down, we were one of one on fourth down. Uh, and red zone offense and defense has really helped our football team. There you go, Mac Brown joining us. Mac, of course, I'm going to ask you about Drake May early in the conversation. He had himself a day. He's had plenty of those, but have you ever seen him look sharper than he was Saturday when he passed for over 400 yards and a couple of TDs? No, Jim, he was unbelievable. He he makes throws that I just can't imagine. He's falling back and throws a deep ball in the end zone for a touchdown and he runs the ball well and gets the first down and gets down. And uh, he he's one of the best players I've ever seen. He's a great leader. He's a tremendous competitor. And every time he goes out there, he gets better. I thought he had a perfect week's practice last week, and I was not surprised. 
to see how well he played during the game. We're talking to Mac Brown. So, Mac, when you think about this, he's developing the way you would expect him to develop. He was the ACC Player of the Year last year as a redshirt freshman. If he continues to do the work that he's doing and play the way he is, is he not on the short list of best quarterbacks in the nation? In other words, we're talking about someone who at least deserves a seat at the Heisman table. Jim, absolutely. He would have been in the in New York for the Heisman last year if we'd won some games at the end. We, we laid an egg. We played two teams better than us in Clemson, and we turned it over too much. And uh, Oregon, who we lost with 19 seconds left, but we didn't play very well against NC State and lost in overtime. We didn't play well against Georgia Tech. And I think that kept him from being in New York more than anything else. He's deserving, but we got to win games because we all know that uh, the voters are going to look and see who's winning at the end of the year. We're talking to North Carolina head football coach Mac Brown. You know, Mac, you also brought in somebody I love. Brought in somebody I love, and that's Freddie Kitchens. And he's your tight ends coach. He's your run game coordinator. There aren't many college programs that have a former NFL head coach on campus. What's it like to have Freddie in the building, and how have the players responded to him thus far? Jim, we actually brought Clyde Christensen in, who coached Tom Brady and Peyton Manning. We brought Ted Monachino in from the Falcons, and and he was the defensive coordinator for the Indianapolis Colts, coached Ray Lewis, and and they won a Super Bowl. And then you add Freddie to that group. We're so blessed that this is the best staff I've ever had. Freddie's tough. He's smart. He's funny. Um, The players absolutely love him. They gravitate to him. He was 11-year offensive coordinator out in in, – Phoenix, uh, he was the offensive coordinator for the Browns, the head coach for the Browns. He's coached number one draft choices at quarterback, at tight end, and running back. Uh, so he is an unbelievable coach, a better person, and our players absolutely love him. They've just gravitated to him in, in a way that I can't imagine. Uh, and he's he's really he's got three good tight ends. And, and he's raising their level of play every day. So, Max, to your point, it's not just Freddie. It's great. And I know you love having him around. But to your point, you've got other really pedigreed guys on your staff. Guys like that, to me, and obviously they want to be a part of it because you're there. That's clear. And it's a great place to live and work. But what exactly is going on here that so many guys with that pedigree want to be a part of it? I think they, they know we're, we're close. And we use the term good to great. We didn't play great against Appalachian State. So I told the guys, let's quit talking about it. Let's quit even mentioning it because you need to do it. And and you're, you are who you put on video. Uh, and, and we didn't play very well. Still won the game. That's the most important thing. Uh, but let's start playing at a very high level. And we know we're so close in our fifth year that there's another step to take. And, and I think those guys wanted to come in and help us take it. We are talking to Mac Brown, North Carolina head coach. You know, Mac, in the midst of all the early season success, there certainly has been some adversity because there always is, no matter where you are. You've been outspoken about how disappointed you are in the NCAA's decision to rule receiver Tez Walker ineligible after he transferred from Kent State. What should people who have not been following this story closely need to know about Tez's situation? Jim, a few years ago, the NCAA granted everybody an ability to transfer and and coaches were vocal against it's not healthy for kids every time you have something go wrong i can transfer so there were guys transferring to four or five schools so coaches cried out including me and said let's stop some of this this is ridiculous we've got too much transferring so they went from everybody transferring to now not letting anybody transfer 
So they said, Let, let's make a two transfer rule. If you transfer twice, you're ineligible. And we said, that's fair, but let's have a waiver process like we had before. And if there are circumstances that a young man should be eligible, then let's use some common sense and, and let's grant them the eligibility. So Tez Walker on our team went to North Carolina Central. They had a COVID year where they did not play. So he didn't get to play. They weren't sure they were going to get to play the next year. So North Carolina Central has written a letter saying that. And their, their league office, the MEAC, has written a letter saying that. So he transfers to Kent State. He plays two years. And then he uh, his head coach leaves, his offensive coordinator leaves, his receiver coach leaves. He's got a very sick grandmother, and, and he basically takes care of her. Uh, he's from Charlotte. He wanted to come back home. He transfers back here on January 9th. He's admitted to school on January 9th. They changed the rule on January 11th. So it should have been grandfathered in. So we feel like he should be considered a one-time transfer uh, simply because they didn't play at Central and they weren't sure they were going to play the next year. Then he goes to Kent State for two years. He loses his whole team. He's, a, he's going to be a top draft choice. He doesn't even know who's going to throw to him. He's got a sick grandmother. He's got a one-time transfer. He can come back home. He comes back home. We think it's a no-brainer. And, uh, and now he's ruled ineligible by the NCAA staff, and he was ruled ineligible by a, an NCAA committee. So we just feel like it's very unfair to him. Uh, it's changed his life. Uh, he's, he does have another year, uh, but he would have been eligible for the NFL. The Senior Bowl was already talking about inviting him. Uh, NIL, NIL money is different if you're playing than if you're not. Uh, so we thought it was very, very unfair and I'm, you know me, Jim, as well as anybody, I'm not going to speak out unless I think something is unfair. And in this case, I, I want to treat every player on our team like I would treat my son or have my son treated. And uh, that's why I've been so outspoken uh, about him. Uh, he's not in a good place emotionally right now. We're having to work him through it. Do I stay in school? Do I practice? Do I come back another year? Do I try to declare for the draft even though I don't play? Uh, all those things are question marks that we're having to work through with him right now. Mac Brown joining us. There's a lot to unpack in that. I would say this, Mac, like you said, I know you. Anybody who knows you knows that if you feel strongly about something, you're going to speak out. There's speaking out and there's lashing out. Certainly, I would not say this about the entire fan base, but what do you say to fans that have taken it to a level of issuing threats online or otherwise to those who have ruled, those who made the decision to rule him ineligible, what do you say to those fans that are stepping over the line, going over the line? Those fans are totally wrong. And if they've crossed the line, they should be prosecuted. Nobody should ever be harassed or or, or have threats. That's That's not what any of this is about. This is about a sport. It's about what's best for a young man. With social media today, we, we can voice our opinions more than ever before. It's okay to, to agree to disagree, but you don't have to be angry and lash out. You can just disagree. We are talking to Mac Brown. All right, Mac, so you kick off conference play Saturday at Pitt. You know Pat Narduzzi is going to have his team hyped after they're coming off their loss to West Virginia in the backyard brawl. How do they look to you on film, and what do they do that's got your attention right now? Well, no, number one, I love Pat. If I'm in an alley, I want Pat in there fighting with me. I don't want to fight against him. He's competitive. He's tough. He'll have his guys stirred up and ready to go. 
and he's done one of the best coaching jobs in the country. He won the ACC a couple of years ago. Uh, we looked up. He's had more pro prospects uh, in the last five years than any of us. So, and, and he's developed them. So he is a great coach. I love him as a person. Uh, we've had two trips in my five years here to Pittsburgh. Both ended up in overtime games that we lost. Uh, they're not happy with their start. We're coming off of a big win. Uh, we better wake up and we better get ready to go for a fight because I promise you his bunch is going to fight and, and we got to hope our bunch does. We are talking to Mac Brown. Can't wait to see that matchup. Hey, Mac, I would not ask this of every single coach because it is so topical, but given your decades in the sport, I really am respectful of your perspective, and I'm curious of what it is. I'm talking about Deion Sanders and what he's doing in Colorado. I mean, the story's become so transcendent. He was featured last night on 60 Minutes for the second time in two years. Have you ever seen a phenomenon quite like this, and what's your reaction to what you're seeing? Uh, Jim, I, I haven't, and and give Dion credit. He is. Uh, uh, you you want to be the cool place to be, and right now he's making Colorado the cool place to be. Some have criticized the transfers and all that. He's done what the rule has allowed him to do, and and they've got really good players. Plus, he's got a quarterback like ours and his son. It's not bad when you have one living with you that <laughs> that you can bring. Uh, but they're, they're a really good team. Um, He's fun. He's funny. Uh, the players seem to be enjoying it. I've got some friends on that staff that uh, are, are having fun as well. But they have brought um, a new fan base. Uh, they're selling out. They're getting more national attention than anybody in the country. Um, and again, you, 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 you try to bring attention to your program. You try to be the cool place to be. And right now, nobody's doing that better than Deion Sanders. Appreciate your thoughts on that, Mac. Before you go, I want to ask you about one more player, Nate McCollum, the transfer from Georgia Tech. He had a huge game last week, a huge game with 15 receptions and 165 yards, including a big TD. And he only had eight snaps the prior week. What do you make of the way he has shown up, and what's he mean to the offense? Well, Jim, in the offseason, when Drake decided to stay here because he had some options to go some other places, one of the things he wanted to do was just continue to, to look for uh, receivers in the transfer portal. So that's why Tez was so important to us. He's 6'2", he runs 4'2". Uh, he was a great prospect. That's why Nate was so important. They also wanted to come here because of him, because he's a great player and receivers want somebody that can throw the ball to them. Uh, so when we looked at Nate, he, he had a lower body injury with a soft tissue issue early. He didn't get to play in the opening game with South Carolina. Tez didn't get to play. So we weren't who we threw to all spring. And then you go to the second week and we thought Nate was better, but we didn't want to put him out there and just have him pull un until we were sure he was well. After the game, he said, I'm ready to go. He had a great week's practice last week and obviously had the unbelievable game. So, um, uh, Josh Downs was a player that's starting for the Colts right now that we lost last year. We thought Nate was very similar to Josh, and he had a Josh Downs-type uh, performance on Saturday afternoon. So uh, we, we are really excited about Nate moving forward. No doubt. Once again, North Carolina moved up three spots to number 17 in this week's AP poll. They take on Pittsburgh Saturday at 8 p.m. Eastern. North Carolina head coach Mac Brown, my guest. Mac, always great to run you down. Didn't mean to keep you so long, but the conversation is always so good. It's kind of tough to let you go sometimes. Mac, great talking to you. Thank you very much. Thank you, Jim. Love and appreciate what you do, and I love your direct opinions. It, it makes all of us smile. Casey.
Old school brother, my man. Casey, what's up? Yo, what's crackalacking, Jimmy Jam? How you living, dude? Uh, it's all good. It's all good. But, dude, it ain't all as good as you, man, because you are truly the pimp in the box, man. Dude, I was just realizing, dude, you pimp more products, man. Rocket Mortgage, Wesley Financial, the Old Trapper. Dude, I heard your pockets are so fat when you write a check, the bank bounce. Dude, what we're seeing, too, from my man Dion is just ridiculously off the hook. He has totally flipped the script and changed the world. Even if he starts losing now, it's all good because it's about to get real up in here these next few games. But at this point, dude, I was thinking Dion could run for governor. But then I said, no, 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 that's not big enough for Dion. Dude could run for president of the United States right now. I hate to get all political on you, but he could run and win. That's how much impact Dion is having. I got to give my annual State of the Dodgers address. Jim, haven't we seen this movie before? Haven't we seen this rerun for the last 11 years? 10 division titles, 11 consecutive postseasons, and the Dodgers have the same amount of World Series as the Nats, the Braves, the Royals, and the A-Holes, because I don't count that first one, and neither should Major League Baseball. See, during the regular season, the Dodgers are like the 27 Yankees and the Big Red Machine combined. Then in the postseason, they get a collective thump in their pants because they're soft, they're Charmin tissue, they're smoothies, and they can't finish. You know, to win in the postseason, you've got to go gangster, Jim. You've got to punch the other team in the face. To win in the postseason, you've got to chew tobacco and spit. Well, the Dodgers chew trident. Yeah, their teeth are white. And so are their uniforms because they won't run through a wall for Dave Roberts. So here's what I think they need to do. Let Dave Roberts manage the team during the regular season and then dig up Tommy Lasorda. You prop him in the dugout for the postseason. And also you better get Kirk Gibson and Earl Hershiser out of retirement too because the Dodgers need to go punch some people in the face and they have to win and they need to win it now. Because it don't mean a thing if they don't get that ring. And until they do, they get no love for me. When they win 100 games every year, big deal. But they don't win the last game. That's what they got to do. I'm out, G. I will see you, too, and smack off 3-0. Because even though I didn't come in enough, but I will be in early and often this smack off season. I'm coming hard after those smack off chips too late. My man, Casey in LA. Good night, night.